0: One thing, and it just might change your life. You know, God said in his word in Isaiah 43, he says, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, we praise you. God, we thank you for this new day. God, I pray that we'd hear whatever you would have us hear this morning. God, help us to find that one thing and one thing that just might change our lives. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. This day stand every day amen. how many of you use sticky notes? Just just curious <laughs> I mean we use these things all kinds of ways, don't we I mean sometimes they're, they're used to uh, mark a place on a contract where you're supposed to sign or uh, we use those notes as kind of a reminder you know and we post them in prominent places. You know, I have uh, put them on the back door of my house before going out into the garage. It says, return movies, you know, and it just reminds me. You know, I put them on the mirror in in the bathroom. It says, dentist appointment at 10 a.m. And uh, probably the weirdest place, I put them on the steering wheel of my car once in a while. I get home, I realize that I'm almost out of gas, and so I'll put it on the steering wheel so it screams, get gas. And... Uh, I've put them on uh, buddies. Uh, I've stopped by to see them at their office, and I've left this one several times. I'll go, I stopped by, guess you were sleeping, give me a call, Damon, you know. I've put them on the front door of my house. Uh, I'm expecting a delivery from the UPS guy, and I'll go, I'm in the backyard. And uh, the the fact is, I I find these sticky notes so um, important easy to use and so handy that I've even got an electronic version for my computer so I can kind of litter my desktop with with sticky notes. The best thing, okay, if you don't learn anything today, you can take this one home, they're really good for putting on the back of a good friend, you know, things like, you know, hit me, I'm stupid, you know, Uh, a couple I've actually done with, with buddies is don't laugh, God created me this way. And it's my birthday, I'm younger than I look. <laughs> so. But I got thinking about sticky notes, and it kind of occurred to me that we all have sticky notes in our lives. You know, they they come in different forms. You know, there are the sticky notes, those things that you want to forget, but it's like a sticky note that just screams, it reminds us that, that we failed at something, that we did something or we didn't do something that we should have. It's just a sticky note, and it reminds us that. And then then there are the sticky notes that remind us of the impossibilities, that that area of your life where you can't seem to make ground, you know, where you feel a little cheated, a little short-changed. And it's a sticky note that just reminds you that you lose. And then the the things that we wish we could change. And so what we do is we post a sticky note. We fully intend to change whatever in our lives. But if the truth were known, you look back on your life, you just see a whole sea of unfinished sticky notes. You know, things we wish we had accomplished, that we had seen through. But those sticky notes, they kind of taunt you, don't they? They remind us that we just we're a loser in that situation. You know, statistically, they say that six percent of Americans successfully accomplish the goals that they set. Now, part of the problem is most people don't set goals, but uh, only six percent you know, I mean, you can call them goals. You could call it a, a resolution, maybe. Call it whatever you want. They're sticky notes in, in our lives. And, and I believe that we post those sticky notes with good intentions. But it, the intention is part of the problem. It's the, the factor. I, I've always said we've got IDD, intention deficit disorder. You know, we have good intentions, But those just aren't good enough. In fact, what you really need is a God intention in your life. And today what I want to do is challenge you to move beyond just good intentions and to get some God intention in your life, to allow God through the Holy Spirit to show you what he wants from you, to show you what he wants you to become, who what you're called to be. And my hope is that before the end of this service that We start living that promise right there, that God says, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing in your life. We're starting what we're kind of calling a summer of adventure. And I know that summer is usually a time that most churches kind of dial things down. Expectations low. People go, well, it's summer, you know. That's never really been our mentality uh, around here. In fact, I would argue that it goes against the the call of the church. It goes against the the Christian call in our lives. And I I don't want you to misunderstand me. I, I believe on a personal level, it's absolutely important that you take time off, that you take a few weeks, vacation, relax, replenish. In fact, God's word would mandate that we do that. We do that on a weekly basis that we should have a Sabbath in, in our in our lives where we kind of just recalibrate. And the the fact is God's intention for us is that we would have a rhythm to our week and a rhythm to life and that it would include these times of, of rest and recalibration. But then I got thinking about summer. I was kind of reviewing my life and What I realized as I was thinking about summer is that some of the most significant events in my life took place during the summer. I mean, first of all, I was born during the summer. That was pretty significant. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. But I also gave my life to Jesus Christ at camp in in the summer. And it was a few years later that God called me to go into ministry. And it was that summer that I dedicated myself and I said, okay, God, I'm all in. Years later, um, kind of a, I'd come out of a season and pretty beaten down and, and broken. I um, Failures in my life had um, kind of surfaced and I really felt alone. And then I met a young woman. And that summer, quite unexpectedly, I asked her to marry me. And even more unexpected, she said yes. (laughs) So many life-changing things took place in my life in the summer. And I'm going to guess it's true for you. You know, I, I started wondering, I wondered how many because we kind of idle down, miss out? I mean, how many just miss out on opportunities because we look and we go, you know, this isn't a good time. It's summer. It's summer. I mean, consider this. This is uh, the math, so to speak, that I believe can motivate us. Let's say you live to be 80 years old. Do you realize you're going to spend 20 years... In the summer, you know, I think it's a stewardship issue. You know, summer is a time that you should absolutely expect the unexpected in your life. And that's what we're going to do this summer. Expect the unexpected. That I fully expect that the summer of 2010, for some of you, will be a game changer. It will make all the difference in the world, that you'll look back at as a significant moment in your life. And I've got several questions that, that I want to ask you today. And I hope that you'll think about the questions and then answer them for, for yourselves. And what I want to do is kind of awaken the expectation in you. Now, how many of you got sticky notes when you when you came in? Let me see hands. If, if you didn't, why don't you just raise your hand and the ushers will bring you some and... Um, what I want you to do is I'm going to ask you four different questions and to just write those questions on a, on a sticky note. And then what, what my hope is that the answer to those questions, that that will motivate you and push you forward as we, we face this summer, that you will make the answers to those questions, the focus of of your prayer life through the summer, okay? And here's the first question I want to ask you. What one thing do you desire from God? Now, take the lid off this one. You know, take the lid off what you expect. You know, don't be guarded. Don't play it safe. In other words, if, if God were to speak to you right now, And to say, I will do one thing in your life, what would you ask for? If you knew God would answer that, what would you ask? What would drive your prayer life this summer? You know, David is described as a man after God's own heart. And David had a deep, deep desire for one thing. He writes in the Psalms, he says, I have asked the Lord for one thing. And one thing only do I want, to live in the Lord's house all my life, to marvel there at his goodness and to ask for his guidance. David says, if I could ask for one thing, I want to be with God. I want to live in the presence of God. I want to know that God is with me every step that he's guiding me. There is one thing I need. There's one thing I need in the good times, and it's God. There's one thing I need in the bad times, and it's God. And so that one thing above everything else, David says, is to live in the presence of God, to live my life, to dwell in God's presence. What one thing do you desire? What is it? What is it? I mean, some of you may be at a point where, as I'm talking, you're considering the possibilities. And and in your mind, your heart's beating. And it's beating hard because there is someone really close to you that you know they don't know Jesus Christ. And that one desire is, God, just use me. Use me to help them take a step of faith. God, help me to bring that person into a relationship with you, with your son, Jesus Christ. And so that's the driving force. God, use me. Use me. God, use me to love that person into a relationship with you. For some of you, that one thing, it might be battling through an addiction or a stronghold in your life. It's the one thing that's destroying. It's the one thing that is keeping you from that full, abundant life that Jesus Christ promised. You know, it's the one thing that's keeping you from being a fully devoted, fully pursuing God with all your heart. You just need to overcome it. You know, you'd say, God, everything in me Wants to overcome this. Give me the the strength. Give me your Holy Spirit to, to overcome. You know, God, that's my one desire. Please. For some of you, it might be a marriage. You know, your marriage isn't what God wants it to be. And in your heart, that one thing that you desire is that God brings healing to your marriage. Now, I know you're going to be tempted to make your one Thing, your one prayer to kind of be, oh, okay, God, could you change the person that's making me so miserable? But, but maybe the one thing, maybe the one thing that God wants to do in your marriage is change you. I mean, for some of you, uh, you may be not married, you know, but all your friends are getting married. And I always find it interesting because it's like, I love them. Oh, I hate them. They're getting married. You know, she's marrying the perfect guy. You know, she's my best friend. I hate her, you know. And maybe, maybe God's desire is that you come to a point where you just say, Okay, God, let me be satisfied where I am. You know, for some of you, uh, you, you've been promising that you're going to slow down in your life. You know, one of these days I'm going to, anybody ever say that? One of these days I'm going to, and you fill in the blank, you've been meaning to. But what's happened is the days have turned into months and the months have turned into years. And you realize now you just missed out on a lot of stuff. And Maybe your one thing is to say, okay, God, I got to slow down. God, I've got to start enjoying the people that are in my life. God, the one thing I need is a new rhythm in my life. God, help me overcome this frantic pace that the, the world runs with. I mean, it's a consuming rhythm. What's the one thing that you desire from God? And make that your prayer. Here's a second question I want you to ask yourself. And this is a question that you need to center around your spiritual life, your relational life. What is the one thing that you lack in your life when it comes to your spiritual life? You know, Mark 10 is an interesting story of the rich young guy, the rich young rulers. He kind of encounters Jesus and he says, Jesus, what do I need To inherit eternal life. And Jesus says well. You need to obey all the commandments. He's talking about the ten commandments. He's pointing them to. And so this young man. Kind of does an assessment. He goes. Okay. Check. Done that. Good on that one. Yep. Got that one. That one. That one. I've done them all. And then Jesus takes and looks through the outward appearance of this young man. And he looks and he identifies the problem, the problem this guy didn't even know he had. And he says something that he never told anyone before, or at least it's not recorded in Scripture. This is the only time. And it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. You notice Jesus is about to tell this guy something really hard. It's going to be difficult for this guy to process. And it says Jesus looked at him and what? And loved him. That's how it is with God. I mean, one thing was standing in his way of being a a complete follower of Jesus Christ. And for this guy, it was his material possessions. You know, wealth. Wealth had become his security. And so this one thing that's getting in the way, Jesus says, sell it so you can fully follow. Verse 22, it says, And this man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. God specifically showed him the one thing that he lacked. But but he was unwilling to do it. I mean, it would have benefited him spiritually. And and here's what I know. For, For some of you, God's been showing you for a long time, maybe years, maybe your entire life, that one thing. That you lack that one thing that that you need to take and and let go of in your life That one thing that that you need to do Or that one thing you need to quit doing And yet You're still disobedient So I ask you what is the one thing That you need to do to be obedient to god You know, what is that? I was talking to a guy this past weekend and um we were, we were talking about his Christian life, and uh, he um, was telling me how close he used to be with God, he there used to be, and how far away he feels today. And so I asked him, I said, well, what's the difference? You know, what are you doing differently? And so he started to tell me about his, his problems and his struggles that he was going through. And I, I let him talk, and then I said, okay, I understand you got problems, but you had problems before. What are you doing differently? And he kind of thought for a little bit, and finally he goes, you know, I used to read my Bible all the time. I used to read my Bible every morning. They said, I've kind of grown out of it. And I immediately, I go, that's a very strange choice of words. You know, you growing out of it? And we talked about what was going on there. You know, for this guy, that one thing, it might be to start reading his Bible every morning again. In fact, I would argue that one thing could totally transform his life. You know, for for some of you, you've been a part of faith fellowship for a long time now. But you don't have a fellowship group. You know, you don't have a group where people really know you. Or where people can encourage you or hold you accountable in, in your life. And in your mind, you're going, oh, someday, someday, someday. Well, maybe this is the one thing. Maybe this is the one thing that allows you spiritually to, to take off. You know, I'm always saying get in a group, serve, you know, just connect somewhere. You know, for for some, you've been wrestling for a long time with the, the whole giving thing. I, I talk to people all the time. They go, I don't know about that whole tithing thing. I just struggle. And, you know, it's giving God our first and, and our best. And so the fight goes on. Inside you. And maybe, just maybe, the one thing that would change your life is getting that straight. You know, God's saying, are are you going to believe me? Are you going to trust me? I mean, maybe what's missing is that accountability in your life where you specifically find someone to hold you accountable. I mean, the fact is you keep drifting into sin. You keep messing up. You know, your life's a train wreck. You know, you're, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting the people that you love. And what you need is someone to, to just take and allow you to have another voice in your life, for someone to speak into your life. I mean, the fact is maybe nobody knows what's going on, but you really need someone to be able to, to take a stand and, and help you navigate. You know, every time I read the tabloids uh, about stars that are out of control, I just think, what is going on there? And the reason why most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, it's because they have no one speaking the truth into their lives. You know, there's no one that they've given permission to, at least, to say, tell me what you think, so that someone could step up and go, what are you thinking? Have you lost your mind? You, You can't do that. Accountability may be the one thing. You know, when it comes to your relationship with God, what one thing do you lack? What one thing is keeping you from moving forward in your faith? And then make that the center of your prayer this summer. What one thing do you need to let go of? You know, what one thing do you continue to grip and hold that's holding you back? That is keeping you from being the person that God created you to be. You know, the Apostle Paul, uh, he longed to know Jesus Christ. Now, you notice I didn't say know about Jesus Christ. He wanted to know Jesus Christ. Big difference. He says in Philippians 3, he says, Beloved, I do not consider that I've made it on my own, but this one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. One motion here, one decision. Forget what's in the past and strain forward to what's in the future. It's one movement. And he says, that's the one thing. Now, I'm not sure what Paul let go of. I know what it could have been. I mean, we know that Paul personally stoned Stephen. He was the first Christian to die for his faith, and Paul, Paul was responsible. We know that Paul persecuted the church. But we also know that after his conversion, that it could have been the painful experiences that he, he suffered for his faith. You know, It could have been resentment that he let go of, you know, resentment for the beatings that he endured, uh, for the false imprisonment. Whatever it was, Paul says, I've got to let it go. I've got to move forward. Let go. Move forward. I was in uh, eighth grade. It was a long time ago. But uh, our uh, class, we got to tour the circus. And um, it was an all-day event for us. We got to spend time kind of behind the scenes and we got some hands-on experience. And so they, they would take us around the, the ring and they would teach us about that particular aspect of what took place. And they would talk about what was involved. And then, get this, they would ask for a volunteer. And you got to spend a few hours trying to learn to do that. And so they wanted a ringmaster. Man, my hand was up. Whoa, I'm all over that. They wanted a clown. A magician, elephant trainer, Whew. juggler, yeah. And, and I kept volunteering, and I'm like, does he not see me? I want to do something. And finally, I got picked. Tightrope walker. <laughs> I, I had visions of running across the tightrope. Maybe do a flip or two. I couldn't do flips anyway, but maybe on the tightrope, you know. I mean, I just envisioned that. And so, they spent some time teaching. And then we practiced, and we were about a foot off the ground on a rope, and I got where I could kinda of get across, and I was feeling pretty good. And then, get this. They lower the real tightrope. They brought it down maybe 15, 20 feet, something like that. There's a big net underneath. And they said, climb to the top and he'll help you. Oh, man. Woo. wow. Here it goes. This is my big moment. And I climbed to the top. And I'm kind of hugging onto the pole. And there's a guy out on a little platform. And he's like, give me your hand. I'll help you. I'm thinking, I love my new friend, the pole. And he kept talking to me. And and they had talked to me prior. And they said, when you get up there, do not look down. Do not look backwards. And focus on the other side. Focus where you're going. I got to the top of that pole. And natural instinct took over. I was like, I am not letting go. And finally... He kind of pried my hand away, and he goes, I'll help you. And so I get up there. He's walking backwards. He's holding my hand. I took one step, looked down, boom, down I went. My, my career as a circus entertainer was over. Friends, keep your eyes focused on Jesus Christ. He's the author, the perfecter of your faith. For some of you, the reason you're not moving forward in your life, not moving where God wants you to be in your life, is that you're holding on to something in the past. And friends, it's time to let go of it. I mean, for some of you, it's a hurt. And you're holding on to it. You're hugging it. You're going to keep it. I mean, you got unforgiveness in your heart. you got bitterness and you're refusing to let go and God wants to say let go of it I want to do something new in your life you got to let go though forget the past look forward to the future you know I'm convinced one of the biggest obstacles in relationships particularly marriage is learning to let go of the garbage you know, someone hurt you. Someone made a mistake. And in your mind, you're like, I'm going to punish them. I'm going to fix them. you got to let go. you got to let go. You know, for some of you, you failed at something in your life. And you are holding on to it. And you're internalizing it. And the fact is, it is messing you up. I mean, what you believe is that because you failed... You're a failure. And I want to tell you, it's not true. It's just something that happened. It's not who you are. It's something that happened in your life. You know, let go. Quit living in the pain. Take a, take a faith risk. You know, look, look to God. Give God the reins and grasp your God-given future. For, for some of you, it might mean letting yourself off the hook today. You know, in your mind and in your heart, you you believe that that God's going to kind of hold it against you. You I was talking to a guy a while back and uh, he made a major mistake in his life and he was in his early 20s. And he spent more than a decade just on a path of self-destruction. And my conversations with him He really believed God was punishing him. And I said, God's not punishing you. You're punishing yourself. I mean, what happened was wrong. It was sin. But I asked him, I said, have you asked God to forgive you? And he's like, yes, but he didn't really believe that God would forgive him. And I just said to him, I said, God has already let it go. But you haven't. You have got to let go of the pain. You've got to let go of the past. It's a new day. God's doing a new thing. I mean, what one thing, what one thing do you need to let go of so that you can be the person God created you to be? And here's one more question. What one promise from God do you need to claim? You know, David uh, was a young man, and Samuel uh, showed up. He was a priest, and he he anointed David as the next king of Israel. And it's interesting because Samuel goes to David's father, Jesse, and he says, one of your sons is going to be the next king. And so Jesse thought he knew who it would be, so he brought his sons in one at a time, in the most likely order in his mind. And each time uh, Samuel would, would meet the son and he'd go, Wow, he's really talented. But he's not the one. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a good looking kid. But it's not the one. Oh, this one's really smart. But it's not the one. Wow, he's strong. But he's not the one. And Jesse brought seven of his sons to to Samuel. And seven times, Samuel goes, nope, not the one. And it's interesting because Samuel finally asks him, because dad quit bringing the kids in. He says, do you have any others? Get this. Jesse's like, well, yeah. Got the runt in the family. He's out taking care of the sheep. But trust me, it's not him. Friends, God looked at the runt in the family. And he says, you know what? I don't care what you look like, because God looked at the heart. And God said, this is the next king. And it was a promise that God gave to David in his life. And it's interesting because many of you, God has given you a promise in in your life. God has shown you a, a future that's very different than where you are today. And in your mind, you're like, it's not coming about. You know, where are you, God? Where are you at? What happened to David? I mean, David, as soon as he was anointed to be king, he would take like one step forward and then a couple steps backwards in his life. He'd have a victory, and then he'd have a whole series of setbacks, one after another. And I believe that David could have, Looked at the situation and said, I don't see God here. And I don't see this happening. I mean, he, he spent a season where he's just on the run. You know, Saul's a king. He's trying to kill him. That's not a good thing if the king's after you. You know, he, he tries hiding among the Philistines at a point. That, that's bad. That would end up being a bad move on his part. And then, then he got this bright idea. He's like, I'll act like a crazy man. A madman. They will think I'm crazy and everybody will leave me alone. Things weren't coming together for David. David, finally, he assesses his situation. He looks at what's going on. And he goes, you know what? There are so many things that I do not know right now. There are so many questions I can't answer. There's so many details that are working against me. But he goes, this I know. God is on my side. I praise God for that. He has promised, yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? David goes, my enemies, are coming after me. I, I don't know what to do. I am scared to death. I don't know much, but I know one thing. God is for me. And I am trusting that promise. I may not see it yet. It may not make any sense in my mind. But I know for me, it's enough to know that God's for me. That one thing, God, I'll trust you. I'll trust you. And for some of you, you need to take God's promise. And you need to hold on. What I know about God's promises is they'll sustain you. They, they keep you going. They nourish you. They, they they feed your soul. They carry you through when you're weak and you can't see through. This one thing I know. What, what promise do you need to claim today? You know, in tough times in my life, and I've had several seasons, where I'm just like, okay, God, I know your promises are true, but, man, I am getting beat to death. I am losing this one. I've had times when i really just overwhelmed. Not sure how to navigate anymore. And I've always held on to to this promise. Maybe this is a promise you need today. God arms me with strength. And He makes my ways perfect. I mean, many times I've just held on to that. Okay, God, you have to be my strength. God, when I'm weak, you're strong. When I'm confused... You are very clear. When I am scared to death, you are fearless. And it's in that weakness that God brings about His perfect plan. What promise do you need from God? What promise do you need to claim today? I'm going to share a couple promises with you. And, um, you know, maybe your heart will gravitate to Him. If I don't, Speak to an area that uh, you're looking for a promise. Come catch me afterwards. I'll, I'll help you find a scripture that fits. But, you know, Philippians 4, 19 says, And my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, maybe you're hurting today. Maybe things are out of control. Maybe you're afraid. The promise from God that you need to cling to, is that God will meet all your needs, not greed's needs in life. You know, maybe maybe you're battling, uh, uh, you're at war with sin in your life, and you have this whole repetitive history of the same old garbage over and over, and you keep getting defeated. You keep giving in. Maybe you need to claim God's promise. Paul writes, he says, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you what? A way out so that you can endure. Hear this today. You can overcome. You can stand strong. You are not powerless. God will show you a way out. God will give you the strength to, to see it through, to face the odds or whatever. And maybe for you today, maybe you're, you're hurting. You know, it's the weight of past stuff in your life. It's just weighing you down. You know, you're like, I, I, I did it. I did it. You know, I, I shouldn't have done this or I, I should have done that. Back then, and in, in, in your heart, you're just like, I am so ashamed. In fact, every time you think about it, right now, your, your guts are wrenching. It's like a dark cloud that follows you around. Friends, if you've asked for forgiveness, it's forgiven. You know, you need to claim Micah 7 it says, You will be merciful to us once again, you will trample our sins underfoot and send them to the bottom. Of the sea. That is God's promise. Some of you need to grab God's promise. God says, I'll throw it into the depths of the sea. It will never surface again. It will never be brought up again. You know, some of you just need to claim the promise of God bring something good out of this awful situation. Some of you need to claim the promise that you're never going to be alone, that God will always be with you, whatever it is you're facing, to claim and know that God's with you. Some of you need to, to get the strength of God in your life and just claim the promise. You know, Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a promise. Some of you need to claim the promise that God will guide you. You're at a point in your life you don't know what to do. You're, you're trying to navigate. You know, read the 23rd Psalm. You know, God says, I'm the good shepherd. I, I will lead you if you're willing to follow You know, some of you just need to claim the promise of peace. The fact is, your life's in chaos and you're in a storm. And you just need to to grab on to, like, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that God promises peace that surpasses all understanding. What promise do you need to claim today? Okay, so four questions. What one thing do you desire from God? And I hope you'll put it on a sticky note. You know, what one thing do you lack spiritually? Answer the question, put it on the sticky note. What one thing do you need to let go of? And put it on a sticky note. What promise do you need to claim? And put it on a sticky note. So you've got four sticky notes. And to put them somewhere so that every day through this summer. You see it, you're reminded, it focuses your prayer life, and I would encourage you to post it. Put it where you'll see it. And I understand, you may have something on there you don't want anybody to know. But put it somewhere so that you can focus yourself. Make this a summer of adventure. Let God surprise you. Expect the unexpected. Next week, expect the unexpected. Because that's how God works. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, I praise you. I thank you for all you do in our lives. And God, I don't know what the one thing is. For each person here, I know what it is in my life. And God, I pray that you would just make it the focus of our prayers. And God, I know one thing really can change your life. And God, I thank you for all those one things through my life that have seen me through, that have raised me up. God, I pray that um, we would just lean on your grace. We would lean on your wisdom. God, I look forward to seeing what you'll do through this summer. You are God and you're in control of all things. We give you the praise and the glory. Amen.